Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, October 24th, 2019, we got a fun show today. Uh, one, week, one week removed from our uh, Halloween episode next Thursday, which is not going to be any different from any other Crowd Noise episode, because number one, I can't stand Halloween, so we're not going to have like spooky themed segments or anything like that. Uh, there's not going to be any candy giveaways during the show or anything like that, but it will be on Halloween. So I guess it's worth pointing out that we're going to be recording on Halloween. So, I mean, yeah, there's that. Five weeks removed from our Thanksgiving special. That I do kind of take seriously because I do enjoy Thanksgiving. I've said it's technically not a holiday. It's just a big meal, but it's fun. Thanksgiving, I have fun on Thanksgiving, I do, but I don't see how it's it's like a holiday. Like it, you just eat on Thanksgiving. But I do enjoy I do enjoy turkey. So, I mean, there is that. We have that to look forward to in 5 weeks. But in the meantime, we have a show today. One week uh or not even one week, maybe 2 days into the NBA season are we currently. We had our uh, pr- uh playoff prediction, I guess you could say. Um, last week, it did both Eastern and Western Conference seeding. Then we had the Lakers and Clippers game on Tuesday. Very fun game. going to react to that. Because I know everyone's already overreacting and everyone is dissecting that game down to the very last nail in between each piece of wood on the, on the floor. Everyone's overreacting to the game. I want to give my reaction. That is not an overreaction but it is what I walked away from that specific game with. I want to tell you what I thought from that one game out of 82. We have 81 more to go, but I want to share with I want to share with you what I saw from that one game. We have that college football uh picks. You know we do that every single week along with the NFL. We are on fire in college. I cannot stress, I mean, we'll get to the, we're, we're going to highlight how great I've been picking college games this season. Uh, and then we have a quote of the week. We did not have quote of the week last week because it was a uh, a longer episode because we had a full NBA slate worth worth of segments. And then we had our NFL college picks as well. So we did not get around to quote of the week. We will amend that mistake today. Uh, currently working on, we're now officially, the Crowd Noise Podcast is powered by, and no, this this is not sponsored. I have to say that legally, but we are powered officially 100% by Apple. There are no longer any Windows or uh, Microsoft apps or um, I guess you could say programs that are aiding the Crowd Noise Podcast. I ran out of my subscription, or my subscription ended, I should say, from Microsoft Word. Um, you You can no longer buy Microsoft Office you now subscribe to it, meaning it's it's an annual payment rather than a one-time payment, um, and that ran out. So we do not have Word anymore. Don't, but I, I will say this: they don't delete your your files. If whatever you did previously on Word, you still keep. They don't delete them, but you cannot edit them or change them in any way because you're no longer allowed to use uh, Word. So the notes, uh, you may be thinking, well, this problem was with the notes last week because you didn't bother charging your laptop. Um, and then now there's a problem with the notes this week because you don't have 
Microsoft Word. On the contrary, this is actually a blessing in disguise because now we switch over to the Apple uh, Notes, which is shared through iCloud. So I can do now the notes on my phone. I can do them on the laptop, all for free. Notes are included with all Apple products and they're shared with all your, so if you have an iPad and you write down notes and your iPad is gonna come up on your phone, your laptop, vice versa, anything you have on Apple is all gonna be shared. So suck it, Microsoft, we're now working for free and crowd noise is even more cost efficient than we were just a week ago. So there is always a bright side to look at at the crowd noise podcast uh, and we're, we're making some budget cuts, but I would say they're uh, positive budget cuts. We're not firing anybody. We're not getting rid of any equipment. We're actually being more efficient with our equipment. So we have that uh, to look forward to in that positive spin. So we are working uh, completely with uh, Apple products and apps, which uh, is a good thing. So uh, Steve Ballmer, uh, yeah, get bent. So now we move on to our college football picks. Like to start the show off every single week with the college picks and NFL picks, and then we get into whatever we're going to talk talk about today. We have some good stuff too, by the way. I have to say we have some pretty good topics. We have the Lakers Clippers thing. We have some NBA trade deadline pleading that I'm going to be doing with teams because it's not the NBA is in terms of uh, movers and shakers. Like you don't see nearly as much movement at the NFL trade deadline, obviously as you do in the NBA trade trade deadline. I think that's a problem. We're going to talk about that. But first, we have our picks, and we are on fire. I mean, we are scorching on fire right now. Make it five in a row, 15 straight games we have picked correctly. Five weeks in a row. We've had a 3-0 and week. Putting our record this year, and get ready for this, at 21-3. and we are at our record right now is 21 in 3 in college football picking games. Last week we had Penn State over Michigan. That one was a gimme. Uh the tough one of the week Oregon Washington Washington Oregon was actually down uh in that game 14 points. I believe they came back and won in Seattle. And then we had Oklahoma and West Virginia which I did say was the cheese game of the week. But I thought it was going to be much closer. I felt like this could be a potential trap game. For Oklahoma, it was actually the opposite. Oklahoma steamrolled West Virginia, and the rest of their schedule is is just cupcake bro. So they, they should go ahead and remain undefeated for at least um, until they reach the uh, the Big 12 championship, and then we'll see how things are looking in their face. Uh, probably Texas, uh, though Baylor is currently undefeated. So there's, uh, you know, they may not face Texas. They may face Baylor in the Big 12 championship, though a lot remains to be seen from now until then. But in the meantime, we have three more games this week, and I'm looking to go 3-0 and again. I mean, we're on a 15-game win streak. I want to get it to 18, and eventually I want to get it to 21. I want, to, I want this thing to balloon as far as it possibly can go. And I honestly thought last week it was coming to an end. I was watching that Oregon-Washington game. Oregon gets down 14, and I said, well, you know, this, this sucks. This kind of stings, but we had a good run. We had a great run, 12 games straight, that, that's, that's pretty solid. What is that, four weeks in a row? Four straight w- weeks uh, of perfect picks? I can live with that. Then Oregon comes storming back in the game, and they win. And lo and behold, we are back now at 15 games in a row, five straight weeks uh, with a perfect slate of games, and we're looking to make it six straight. We're looking, to ma- we're looking to get six straight weeks of undefeated picks. So that's what we're going to be doing today. And the first game we have today on this 
brisk but comfortable day. It's a little cool outside. I wouldn't say nippy. It is cool but very comfortable. It's a day where you can sit on the couch, watch some TV, uh, maybe get some tea, though it's not necessary. It's not very cold outside. Very comfortable. Uh, number 13, Wisconsin. The Badgers, who were my one of my favorite teams in the country heading into last week and then were embarrassed uh, by Illinois. The Maybe the biggest upset of the season thus far. Uh, they take on number three, the Buckeyes, at the shoe this weekend. Um, look, Ohio State and Wisconsin, and then along with LSU, were my three favorite teams in the country. And you may say, how do you have three favorite teams? You should only have one. I would argue the college football playoff committee gets four favorite teams because that's how many teams make the playoffs. So I don't think I'm being a little bit, uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm cheating by having multiple teams that I like. Eventually, I'll pick one. I will pick a national champion. But for the meantime, I think I'm allowed to up to five because you got to think, you know, the playoff is, yeah, there's only four. But there are at least going to be four, I mean, five or six teams that are going to be fighting for four spots. Currently, I have two now because Wisconsin is, they're done. They're, they're, not, they're not getting in. Uh, they lose last week to Illinois. I mean, horrendous law. That, that, it's a killer. It, it, as great as Wisconsin has been and as great as a schedule as they have going forward, they see Ohio State this week. Uh, they play in the Big Ten. They will see teams like Penn State, Michigan. They will have opportunities to amend that loss. I think it's over. I think even if they run the table, I don't see how they can get in with a loss like that. It's different if you lose to Illinois, rather if you lost to Ohio State or Penn State. They're very different scenarios. So I don't, I don't see Wisconsin getting in. I think they're pretty much eliminated, even barring a win this ever. Even should they win this week, which they won, and taking Ohio State at home. I mean, maybe the most well-rounded team in the country is Ohio State. Um, even if they were to win this week, I don't see how they could leapfrog um, teams like LSU, teams like uh, Clemson. Actually, Clemson might act, uh, be a bubble team this year, ironically, is as dominant as they were coming into the season, only because they haven't lived up to the expectations that maybe the entire country has set on them. So Clemson might actually be a bubble team uh, at this point. Uh, LSU, dominant. I mean, they're, I think they at this point... In time, I think LSU is the best overall team in the country. I think they're the best team in the nation. I said Ohio State was the most well-rounded team, though I think LSU is a little bit better. If it were up to me, I would say LSU were number one, Ohio State number two, Alabama three, and Clemson four. That would be my four or my top four rankings uh, currently, right now. Um, LSU, we don't know if they're going to run the table from this point out. They play it. The SEC this year is just as it is most years, it's just murderer's row. Everyone's going to beat up on each other. Can LSU run the table and remain undefeated up until the SEC championship and finish maybe with one loss and then potentially get in? Could they suffer a loss early, get to the SEC championship, lose that, and still get in with two losses? That it remains to be seen. Uh, I, I'm taking Ohio State this week at the shoe. And speaking of LSU, we have them this week in our second game of the week they host number nine Auburn Auburn another really a great obviously SEC team they have one loss on the schedule they're fighting to stay alive they're number nine in the nation so their playoff hopes still very uh, much alive especially if they beat LSU this week I mean talk about a resume win uh, for Auburn if you're able to go on the road and beat LSU which 
they're ranked number two, but many people feel that they might they probably are the best team in the nation are the Bayou Bengals, as do I. I think right now, the way Joe Burrow has them rolling, they still play LSU SEC-style defense. I think they're the best team in the country. They remind me a lot of last year's uh, Alabama team. And make no mistake, Alabama got blown out in the national title last year. We all know that, but they were dominant, undefeated all, uh, all year long, wire to wire up until that point. They were absolutely dominant. LSU, uh, very much the same case. They are just, they're dominant on both sides of the ball. You can make an argument that they're the best offensive team in the country. You can make an argument they're amongst the best defensive teams in the country are uh, the LSU Tigers. I'm going to take them at home especially. I like Bo Nix. I like Auburn, but I think they're a year away. I think they're probably one year away. I mean, true freshman on the road to Death Valley. Um, you know, he's going to have to put up a ton of points against LSU. I'm taking the Tigers this week at home. And then finally, our third game of the college football week. Number eight, Notre Dame in the big house against number 19, Michigan. Michigan. Um, taking Notre Dame. Notre Dame is for real. Okay, I will tell you that they are the best one-loss team in the country. I would give them the, and they are ranked uh, one spot above Auburn, who also has uh, one loss. And I think it's kind of, uh, hypocritical to say because the other one lost team in the nation uh, is Georgia who beat Notre Dame so it's a little bit hypocritical to say uh, Notre Dame is the best one lost team in the country but they took they gave Georgia everything they could handle um, and they played on the road they did play in Athens Georgia I think you play in a neutral field or definitely in South Bend that could be a, a very different game for Notre Dame but I will say this their playoff hopes are done as well. They're not in the same boat as Wisconsin, where Wisconsin has one loss and they have opportunities uh, to amend that loss, but it's such a bad look, they're not getting in. And Notre Dame is the exact opposite. They have one loss, and it's a quote-unquote good loss uh, to Georgia on the road, who is uh, you know, a top-10 team as well as Notre Dame. Uh, but they do not have the opportunities that Wisconsin will have to amend that loss. They get one top 25 team this week in Michigan at the big house, but Michigan, as we've said before, they're not very good. They've become a brand more than an actual team. Okay, they're they're really not that good. We're getting blown out at Penn State. They made it respectable, but they were dominated that game. Okay, they were clearly the inferior team to Penn State. They've had, uh, they've struggled week in and week out to score points Has Michigan and that's the best team left on Notre Dame's slate. And mind you, they do not have a conference championship. So they will not have a conference championship on their resume. They will not have another top 25 team on their resume from now until Selection Sunday. I think Notre Dame is basically out, though they will likely run the table. I'm taking them to win this week because Notre Dame is a really good football team. Making the call, uh, excuse me, the New Year's Six. They will play in the New Year's Six for sure. I don't think they will be able to stack up their resume against other teams in the country especially if things start to get crowded at the top with teams like Penn State Ohio State um, LSU Clemson perhaps Alabama we don't know if Alabama's going to drop one they don't have two of this week I think they'll be fine but in the meantime in the future until they get back to a tug of ILO we don't know how good they're going to look it could get crowded at the top and I don't know how good Notre Dame's resume will stack up with those other teams that were mentioned so those are your three college football picks for the week, we're taking the Buckeyes, the Tigers, and the Fighting Irish. And now on to the NFL. And in the NFL, we have not had 
nearly the same success that we have had in college football. Though, I will say this, we finally had a winning week, ladies and gentlemen. We finally turned it around in the NFL picking games. We had a winning week uh, this week. Went 2-1. and one. Uh, We had, let's see here, we had the Chiefs on Thursday night. Gimme. Uh, then we had the Saints and the Bears. For the most part, a gimme. They were without Alvin Kamara, but they, I mean, the Bears, they look real bad. The Bears look Ter- they look they look awful okay they look really bad you can make an a legitimate argument right now that they're the worst team in the nfc north you could legitimately make that argument that the lions are a better team than the bears right now and i think i might actually believe that after watching the game last week they're just stagnant on offense they're not nearly as dominant on defense they still have a good defensive unit do not get me wrong but they're not what they were last season mitchell trubisky's taken one step forward and seven steps backwards. They're real bad. Saints won last week. Then we had the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I think we've picked the Eagles. Not I think. We have picked the Eagles to win every time they've been on the show. And only once, only one time, have they actually proven us correct. That was actually ironically against the Green Bay Packers, who may be the best team in the NFC. They beat the Packers in Lambeau. Uh, They did lose Devontae Adams in that game, so I think that played a very large role uh, in deciding that game. But they did win the game. We picked them to beat Dallas, and they were embarrassed. Embarrassed. They were dominated in Jerry World last year, or excuse me, last week, I should say. Um, So, yeah, that one was not a great look. But we did go 2-1. and We had a winning week. I can live with that. I can sleep easy knowing I went, I had a winning week last week. And that brings our record now. It's not great. It's still not a great record. But... We are taking a step in the right direction. 9 and 12. We are three games under 500, not nearly as dominant in college, as in college football where we're 21 and 3, but it is, a, it is a step in the right direction. And that is something I can live with. I will take another step in the right direction this week. And here we go. Tonight's game. Skip it. Uh, Washington. We get, we get Washington on the road in Minnesota. They're going to play the Vikings on Thursday night football again. Whose idea was this? Whose idea was this to put Washington and Minnesota on Thursday night? Like, even before the season started. Again, because they make these games months in advance. They don't just decide on the day of Thursday night and say, hey, you guys are playing tonight. Get out there. Because, I mean, obviously the Bengals, the uh, Washington, the Dolphins, they would never, ever be on Thursday night, Sunday night you know, Monday night, primetime games. Never, because they're terrible. No one wants to watch them. But why did you think way in advance this would be interesting? And I think there may or may not be a rule where every team has to play on Thursday night. And if that is the case, well, then that, okay, well, then there's, there's your defense. You could say, well, every team has to play. So at some point, you're going to get Miami, Cincinnati, and Washington on Thursday night. And even still, it's a dumb rule. We should only have the best teams. Actually, no, it is a dumb rule for a dumb night. I've said this week in and week out. Thursday night football needs to be abolished and never messed with again. It's the dumbest idea the NFL has ever had, and they've had their fair share of dumb ideas. And this might be the dumbest. I, I hate Thursday night football, but we do it anyway because I like to complain, and it makes for good content. So in the, while we have to watch this game, or maybe we don't have to watch it, but we have to pick it, I will take the Minnesota Vikings. Set it and forget it. This one's a pretty easy one. I know we're going to get at least one win this week. Now on to uh, the next two games. This one's actually pretty interesting. These are uh, pretty competitive games. 
Panthers and 49ers. 49ers are undefeated and maybe the biggest surprise in the NFL this season. Some people say the Falcons being 1-6. I disagree. Not so much that I expected the Falcons to be terrible, um, but I didn't expect them to be very good. I didn't expect them to be this bad, but I mean, no one thought they were going to be very good or win the division. So that's, it's just worse than what we thought. The 49ers, not many people were giving them any credit at all. I thought they would be improved from last season, uh, but I did not think they would be, you know, 6-0. and Best record of the NFC, potentially best team uh, in the NFC, best defense in the West by far. I, they're, they're, they're fantastic. And the Panthers are really good too. Undefeated since Kyle Allen has taken over for Cam Newton. This would be a game that uh, the 49ers could lose because the Panthers are a very good team. And the 49ers are actually play in a workable division. Workable. Not easy. It's not a cakewalk like the AFC East, but it is workable. The Rams are no, are no longer as dominant as they were last year. Um, the Cardinals are the Arizona Cardinals. They're not very good. And then you have the Seahawks who are very good. So that you have like realistically one other team that you truly have to worry about. And the Rams are good too. But I, I would not say right now that they're as good as the 49ers or even the Seattle Seahawks. I would go that far and say it's between the Seahawks and the 49ers for that division. I don't think that really is, is even a hot take at this point. So this is a tough game or one of the tougher games for the 49ers on their schedule, the Carolina Panthers. I'm actually going to take them to win. I, that defense is just so dominant. Uh, it, they're, they're so reminiscent of last year's Bears defense. It didn't matter who they were facing. It did not matter who they were facing. They were going to dominate you and you were going to have to play by their rules. Not the other way around. And I think they're going to take advantage of Kyle Allen. They're going to find a way to shut down Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo is just going to do his thing. They've created a perfect environment for Jimmy Garoppolo. Where he does not have to be Tom Brady. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes. He literally just has to not screw up. And Jimmy G will get all the credit in the world because he's the quarterback. And again... Not taking anything away from Jimmy G, but I haven't seen enough from him to fully buy in. And they're not winning because of Jimmy G. Let's be honest. They're winning because they're, they're because of their defense. Uncle Sherman, the gang, are just shutting teams down. And they're making life easy for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a beautiful formula. It is a great formula that the 49ers have in place. I think it will continue to work this week uh, against the Panthers. Because I will say this, defense is sustainable. That is something you can carry week in and week out. There's no bad games. Like, like sometimes quarterbacks just don't have it. There's miscommunications on offense. Defense is something that's going to last week in and week out. And you can count on for every single game. It, it, offense sometimes, when you see these great offensive teams with no defenses, you can, it all takes is one bad day. You just have to get shut down on two or three third downs, and you end up losing the game. But if you have a defense like that's this strong, as San Francisco has, you're always going to have a chance at the end of games. And I think they, they won't need that, that last chance. I think they win comfortably this week against the Panthers. So now finally, our last game for the week. It's a Sunday night game. Packers and the Chiefs. This is a game I understand completely why you would pick preseason to have on prime time. It's a Sunday night game. The, Chiefs, the Packers... I, I would say currently are, are maybe the best team. Right now in the, in the NFC, you have the Packers, the 49ers, and still the Saints. The Saints without Drew Brees have been 
dominant. And it only makes you wonder how much better would they be if Drew Brees um, was was still playing. And they're undefeated without him. They haven't lost without Drew Brees. And you, they, you think they probably could be even better. So I'm keeping the Saints in that conversation. The Chiefs preseason, Pat Mahomes, need I say more? I understand fully why this game was picked for Sunday night. Now, all of a sudden, it's kind of a dud. Pat Mahomes is out. He's not officially out. He's actually practiced today. Offensive coordinator said he looks like he's good to go. I would not force Patrick Mahomes. If if he's 70%, I would sit him down. The AFC West is all but one. Okay, the Chargers are, are terrible this year. Are we really talking about the Raiders chasing down the Chiefs and then the Broncos? The AFC West is fine. They're going to win it. They don't need this game. They don't. They, they, they really don't. They're, you're not catching New England for, for uh, best record in the playoffs. You're not. They're probably going to go 15-1 this year. You're not catching them. Sit Mahomes. You do not need Mahomes for this game. You need him to win, but you do not need to win this game. So I, if the Chiefs, if they start Pat Mahomes and he's anything but 110%, which is uh, going to be very unlikely you know, for him to make, for him to be a hundred percent fully healthy come this Sunday, they're they're not as smart as I thought they were. You do not throw out Pat Mahomes, may arguably the face of the league, absolutely the face of your franchise and the spine of your organization. You do not throw that guy out on Sunday night when he's not fully healthy. They need to sit Pat Mahomes one hundred and ten percent this week. I, I I would be shocked and disappointed if I saw Pat Mahomes play this week. Because they need to keep him healthy. He's their only chance they got. They, they, they cannot risk further injury and losing him for the rest of the season. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win their division. They'll have a first-round bye. Just let, let it go. Let him, let him sit this week. I'll take the Packers uh, in Arrowhead. I wish he was healthy. Not to say I don't want to see him out there. Of course I want to see Pat Mahomes. But only if he's healthy. If Pat Mahomes were fully healthy, this would be maybe the game of the year uh, during the regular season. This would be primetime box office television. The Packers are red hot. They themselves have a very strong defense, and obviously they have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Devontae Adams has been hurt, uh, but when he comes back, they're only going to get better. This would be a, a an S tier. I mean, this would be candidate for game of the year. But Mahomes isn't healthy. They got to sit him out. Be smart. Okay, you do not need this game. Sit Mahomes. Uh, so there are your NFL games for this week. There, Those were your college games for the week. And now on to, what do we have now? Oh, NBA. Oh, no, I'm lying. We do have more NFL on tap. Psych, no, uh, not, no NBA just yet. We have one, one more uh, NFL segment on tap. And it's a good one. It is a good one. It's so good that I forgot we had it next. Um, the trade deadline in the NFL approaches quickly. Uh, next Tuesday, I believe, is the NFL trade deadline. And there is no rumors, there's no buzz around the NFL trading deadline because it's not the NBA. There, There's no, for the most part, player movement. There's not much, if any, player empowerment in the NFL. And there's no teams that look like they push all their chips in to win now, other than the LA Rams. The Rams will make any trade that is that they feel is going to help them win today. And you've seen that um, just very recently with them trading for Jalen Ramsey. And you may remember, I had a quote of the week a few weeks ago. 
pleading with the Jaguars to trade Jalen Ramsey. It's good for the league. It's good for Jalen Ramsey. And they did. They sent him not only, not only did they trade him, they traded him to a team that feels that they are a contender, though they may not be. But Jalen Ramsey, I mean, inarguably makes that team much, much better. And they're going to need him if they want to win the NFC West, which is going to be pretty tight at the top with the Niners and the Seahawks. And yet, you don't really hear blockbuster names and, and superstar players on bad teams come up in trade talks or, or demand trades, really. Um, it's not even so much that it's the player's fault. It's so much that the NFL has a different culture. It has a culture problem. The Falcons trade away Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots. They're awful. They're 1-6. and six, And yet they hang on to Julio Jones. Why are you making Julio Jones suffer in Atlanta? You're wasting years of his career away in this god-awful football team. We're not even going to talk about Julio Jones. He's not even the, the main focal point of this uh, segment. Though he is another candidate. He's very similar to the guy we're going to talk about. You see guys like Mohamed Sanu. And Mohamed Sanu is a good player, but he's also not Julio Jones, I will say. He's going to the Patriots. They lose Josh Gordon. That trade now makes a lot of sense. The guy I'm going to talk about today is A.J. Green. Cincinnati Bengals, and if you're listening to this, go ahead and hop on Twitter and at the Cincinnati Bengals and relay this message for me, if you will. Please, for the love of all things that are holy, Please trade away A.J. Green. Stop wasting away A.J. Green's talent and his career. For the love of football and the love of the game, trade A.J. Green away. Please trade him away. Get him out of that mess. I mean, we see the Dolphins. They've blown everything up, and they have fully committed to the tank, which I, I respect. I am pro-tank. I know some people are are anti-tanking and they want to see teams compete. I don't want to see 10, 12, 15 mediocre teams. I'd much rather see 3, 4, 5 really good Super Bowl contenders and then a bunch of nobodies. Because at at the end of the year, only two teams even make it to the Super Bowl and only one team can win it. So what benefit is there as a fan to have 10, 20 mediocre teams that aren't very exciting or aren't very good? I'd rather have five, six teams that are awful and at least planning and trying to build for the future. I'd much rather have that. I am pro-tank. Pro-tank, 110%. I don't know that's a controversial uh, stance. Not a lot of people like that, but that's just the way I feel. I, I am pro-teams blowing it up. So I respect the Dolphins enough for at least trying to build something. And they're tanking for Tua. Put that on the hashtag. But the Cincinnati Bengals, they have been terrible for... You can probably say decades now, multiple, at least more than 10 years. They have been terrible for at least 10 plus seasons. Awful. And A.J. Green has been dragged down for every single one of those seasons. First off, you disrespect A.J. Green by pairing him up with Andy Dalton. I don't understand how he still has a job in the NFL. That's number one. And number two, I mean, that, because that's number one because Andy Dalton has been around forever. For the most, if not the entirety of A.J. Green's career, for at least most of it, he's been stuck with Andy Dalton. So that's number one. That's already capping A.J. Green's potential. Number two, this team this year, where are you going? 
what what is what is the game plan for the Cincinnati Bengals? You knew you were not going to win the division. You you knew that. You have to be able to look in the mirror and, and assess things. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you look in the mirror and you say we have a chance to win the division this year at the beginning of the season, you're lying to yourself. An old man told me, you can lie to everyone, but you can't lie to yourself. And while he is a crazy, deranged old man, he tends to be right when it comes to that phrase. You, can't, you can lie to everyone, but you can't lie to yourself. If you're the Bengals, how do you convince yourself you're going to win the division preseason? When you have teams like the Browns who are Super Bowl, well, they were lying to themselves as well. They were, had Super Bowl aspirations. The Steelers were supposed to be much more improved this year. And you had Lamar Jackson coming back for the Ravens. You were not beating out all three of those teams. That's number one. You have not fully committed to tanking games, so, that, so we are led to believe. Like the Dolphins say they're not tanking, but come on, we're, we're not idiots. We know they're tanking. We know they're committing. I give them at least that. They're, uh, Washington, the same thing. They have not said we are tanking. They're tanking. They're trying to build around Dwayne Haskins. I respect it. Okay, what, The Bengals, what are you doing by keeping uh, hanging on to A.J. Green? You can get a lot of value for A.J. Green. Okay, He's on the older side. He is a veteran. He's not Amari Cooper. Okay, similar to last year, Amari Cooper uh, warranted a first-round draft pick. People said they overpaid for that. And look what that has done for the Dallas Cowboys. They changed their franchise overnight. Okay, and the Raiders get a first-round draft pick in exchange. People said that was overpriced. Just one first-round draft pick. If you can get a first-round or maybe even a second and a third, I meant a first-round comma or a second plus a third round for A.J. Green, why would you not take that? If you're the Bengals, what good? And AJ Green, by the way, hasn't even played this season. I don't blame him. He's been hurt. Uh, not to say that he's faking an injury, but I would not be rushing back to get on the field if I played for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's just me. So I'm not saying that AJ Green is faking an injury. He's hiding to play. Would never accuse him of that. But I, I am saying, I will say this: I, I would not be rushing to get back and play for the Tiger Stripe Helmets. I, I, I that's just me. Because they're not very good, and Andy Dalton is terrible. I don't know how he still has a job. He's one of the greatest finessers of the 21st century. The fact that he still is a starting NFL quarterback. And that's just from the Bengals' standpoint. And now I'm going to flip it from the perspective of the rest of the league. Okay, that's just the Bengals. You're, you're, you're criminals by hanging on to A.J. Green. You're holding him hostage against his will. And imagine this. Just think about this. Uh, I was gonna. The 49ers were another candidate for this as well, but they added Emmanuel Sanders, so they're pretty. They're out of the running for this. But just imagine, close your eyes, and think real hard about this. AJ Green gets traded. Okay, that's good already. Just stop right there. Okay, don't open your eyes. Keep your eyes closed. AJ Green gets traded away from the Bengals. Oh, you can have that sigh of relief. Share that with me. I'm gonna do it again. Ready? Deep breath in. Oh. He's traded away. He's freed. AJ Green is freed. Okay? That's just, hey, keep your eyes closed still. We're not even done. That's only half, half of the scenario. Okay? Second half. AJ Green gets traded from the Bengals to the Seattle Seahawks. Can you imagine? Can you ima- keep your eyes closed? Imagine this. Imagine AJ Green in that Seattle Seahawks uniform. Playing for the 12th man with Russell Wilson having maybe the best year of his career. Fighting the San Francisco 49ers for the division. A.J. Green get an opportunity to play in the postseason. Maybe even a Super Bowl. Because the Seahawks are really good. They're really, really good. And they don't have a... They have Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett's a great player. 
but I think AJ Green might be better. And if you say, no, AJ Green is trash, I would say, you think that because he's played with Andy Dalton and he's played with the Bengals for all these years. He, his potential has been capped. Okay, if you put him with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, they would be a problem for the rest of the league. How is that not, okay, now you can open your eyes now. Uh, you probably already did, but I just want to say, you know, in, ca- in case your eyes are still closed, you can, you can open them. Um, how is that not good for the league? How is it not good for the league that we have, and A.J. Green may not be in the upper echelon of receivers anymore, but again, I would say that's probably because he's been in the scenario that he has been in, but how is it not good that we have a star player with a, a perennial MVP candidate quarterback on a Super Bowl contending team? How is that bad for the NFL? Explain that to me. Explain how it's bad that we have stars playing with stars in the NFL. Take your time. I'll wait. It's not. Okay? It's actually the opposite. It's good for the NFL. And people, and we had that Steve Young quote a few weeks ago, again, referring to Jalen Ramsey, saying, we don't want the NFL to become the NBA. Why would you not want the NFL to become the NBA? Tell me it's not interesting that we spend all summer, the NBA offseason, when people don't even bother playing, is arguably more interesting than the regular season of the National Basketball Association. Tell me that's not good for the NBA. You think Adam Silver doesn't love player mobility? You think he wants Kawhi to stay in way back when in San Antonio? He doesn't want him to even go to Toronto? You think he doesn't want Kawhi in Los Angeles creating a new rivalry with the Clippers and the Lakers? You think he wants Anthony Davis in New Orleans with, with Lonzo Ball? Or he wouldn't be with Lonzo Ball if he was still in New Orleans. So that's it. Anthony Davis and nobody? You think that's more interesting than Anthony Davis and LeBron James? Are you kidding me? You think that's bad for the league? The NBA loves it and they thrive. They market this. There's a reason why ESPN, NBA TV, TNT, that's all they talk about is if a player says, a player X, they play for, I don't know, Toronto. They say, yeah, I really love the city of Phoenix. It's warm there. It sure beats wearing a, a parka jacket in July in Toronto. People immediately start saying, oh, he's going to Phoenix. He's going to the West. He loves the West Coast, loves warm weather. The NBA markets that. They thrive off of player mobility. Why in the world would you not want that in the NFL? And I think the wheels are starting to turn. Every time Tom Brady, and it's, just, it's, just, it's the same scenario. Tom Brady, all he has to do is say something good, positive about another team or another city. And it's already starting. The Patriots are over. Tom Brady's leaving. And we're seeing it again this year. People are talking about Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. That's not going to happen. But people are having that conversation again. If he's staying with New England, if he's leaving, this, that, and the other. Is it over the dynasty? And the conversation begins. And I think that's positive. I think that's good for the league that we're having those conversations. Now let's spread that to the rest of the league. A.J. Green needs to get out of Cincinnati. Okay? And it's it's selfish and it's criminal that the Cincinnati Bengals, and I've said we're not trading him, but that does not, it's not law. Okay? Teams can still make hellacious offers and, and try and shop for A.J. Green, and I think they should. Tell me it's not better for the NFL if A.J. Green, and not just A.J. Green. I know we're talking about, you know, one player like, like he's my favorite player ever. He's not, but he's, I think I'd like to see him in a better scenario. Um, tell me it's not better for the league if he gets traded to Seattle or uh, another, another contending team. What if he gets traded to Baltimore? That's interesting, okay? Tell me this is an interesting. 
the Panthers have been winning without Cam Newton. Okay, they just, they have been, and I'm not about to bury Cam Newton and say he's terrible. This because hold your horses. Okay, tell me it's not interesting for the league if Cam Newton doesn't get traded to the Steelers. Digest that for a hot second. Cam Newton gets traded to the Steelers because the AFC North right now is wide open. It is wide open in the AFC North. Not for you, Bengals, okay? Because I know you're about to say, that's why we're going to keep A.J. Green. No, you're, you're done. You're not getting it. Everyone else in that division, it's wide open. The Browns are disappointing, which, I mean, they should only be disappointing if you had them going to the Super Bowl, in which case you're an idiot. Um, the Ravens are hot and cold. You know, Lamar Jackson comes in games, looks like he's the future of the league. And in some games, he kind of lays an egg a little bit. They're, they're kind of hot and cold. And the Steelers have had injury problems. They've had severe injury issues. How is it not interesting that the Steelers go all in on this season? You pair Cam Newton with James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster. The Steelers' defense is much improved this season. No one is talking about how much uh, the Steelers' defense has improved this season. And they try to win the division, try to get in the playoffs. And once you get in, there are single elimination games. Anything can happen. Tell me it's not interesting if Cam Newton gets traded to the Steelers and they try to win it. And then we'll see what happens at the end of the season with Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe they move on from Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe they keep getting Cam Newton. Maybe they send Cam Newton off somewhere else and say, hey, thanks for taking us as far as you could. Now we're going to stick with our, our, our franchise guy. It, that starts another conversation. Player mobility needs to be added to the NFL. We need player empowerment in the NFL the way we have it in the NBA. It, 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 it's vital, I think, to the league to have this kind of player movement. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's the opposite it's a great thing. I would love to see A.J. Green go to the Seahawks, Cam Newton go to the Steelers, uh, Julio Jones go to the Patriots, or anywhere else. Stop holding these players hostage. Tell me it wasn't exciting for the league to have Jalen Ramsey go from Jacksonville, who wasn't going anywhere, to now the Rams, who have a chance to win the division, or at least get into the playoffs with Jalen Ramsey. It's great for and now you have Tom Brady. Is this his last stand in New England? Where will he be going? Tell me that's not the most inter- that's not going to be the most interesting topic of the summer. That might that might rival uh, the NBA offseason if Tom Brady becomes a free agent and is testing the markets. Tell me that's not interesting. Come on, Tom Brady may arguably, if not the greatest quarterback, if not the greatest football player of all time, becoming a free agent. It's interesting. And it makes the league better. We need more of that in the NFL. So I beg, it has to start with the Bengals. It has to start with them. And, it come to, and the rest of the teams in the, in the league as well. You have to coerce the Bengals. Because they don't want to trade A.J. Green because they're stuck in their ways. Okay? But they have, you, have to, you have to coax A.J. Green out of them. It's up to other teams as well to start these conversations for A.J. Green. Come this Tuesday. I am hoping and I am praying for the... The good of the league, there are huge trades. And there's players move from bad teams to good teams. Because it's better for the league. It's more interesting. It's better for the fans. It, it, it creates a, a higher level of competition at the top of the league, the upper echelon of teams. I, 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 don't, see, I don't see where the negatives are. The Bengals are already bad. We knew they were going to be bad. The Dolphins are already bad. We knew they were going to be bad. The Browns are not very good. We knew they weren't going to be very good. So it's not, a dis- it's not like a-, a team is selling their best players and derailing any chance they had of, uh, of getting to the playoffs or winning a Super Bowl. 
And even if you say, well, what about that Cam Newton scenario? They've been winning without him. They have been winning without Cam Newton. And tell me, and in this scenario, okay, you already have a team that's winning without Cam Newton. You have a team in the Steelers that is kind of struggling because they've had problems. Tell me that doesn't make the Steelers better. Tell me Cam Newton is going to make the Steelers worse. That makes, I mean, we, we, got, we got to fix this. And it starts on Tuesday. So I beg teams in the NFL, please, please get engaged with, with players like Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Cam Newton, and, and so on and so forth for the better, the improvement of the game of football. And now on to the NBA, where we had our season just start on this previous Tuesday, one week before the NFL trade deadline. And uh, we had, it was opening night, and we had ring night in Toronto, which uh, wasn't very interesting, if I'm being honest. And then we had, then we had the prime time, like this is what you came to see, the Clippers and the Lakers, Staples Center. We, we got everything we could have wanted and more. Okay, it was a fantastic game. It was a really fun game to watch, physical, fast-paced, competitive. Uh, there was runs from both teams. The Lakers start off, I think, they, they go up like 13-2 to or 14-2, to something like that. Then the Clippers take a 14-point lead. The Lakers ret- regain or retake the lead in the third, qu- third quarter, and the Clippers pull away, and they, they kind of put a chokehold on that lead, and they win the game. And people are overreacting. People are saying, you know, the Lakers have all kinds of problems, which they do, but... They'll get better. They'll patch them. It's the first game of the season. People are blowing it out of proportion, and people are saying, you know, Clippers are going to go 82-0. and They did this without Paul George. They, they pretty much dominated the Lakers. It wasn't – it was clear that they were the superior team uh, on, on Tuesday night, and people are just running away with that. So I want to give you what I walked away with from that game because while it is a very – extremely small sample size, one out of 82 games – it's all we have until tomorrow night. The, the Lakers don't play again until tomorrow. The Clippers, I, don't, I believe, don't play until tomorrow as well. Um, so I'm going to react with, with what I've seen. And understand it's going to change on a game-to-game basis. You're telling me that the Lakers, this is how good the Lakers are going to be in October. This is as good as they're going to be in, in January, February, March. No, they're going to change. They're going to get better. They're going to have rough patches. They're going to have hot streaks, as will the Clippers. So I'm going to give you my reaction from that game. The Lakers' offense, it looked confused. There was no fluidity. There was no motion. There was no solid game plan from the offense. Anthony Davis on the floor. Get the ball to Anthony Davis Davis and let him score. Okay, sure. I mean, I, I understand the philosophy. He's a great player. And there was no big on, uh, on the Clippers that could, that could stop. I'll say this. There's no big in the league. There is no player in the league that I could say... I, I, I would say that can stop Anthony Davis in any high post, low post, one-on-one scenario. And that includes Joel Embiid. I really don't think there's a player in the league that can, sing, that can shut down Anthony Davis on the low post, or the high post for that matter, because he, uh, he has guard-like skills as well. You all know that. So, you know, that's a solid game plan. But I don't think that can be the offense just literally get him the ball and everyone get out of the way. I don't. I, there has to be some fluidity. He went out, uh, and then LeBron comes in, and then the game plan shifts. Let LeBron go to work now, and everyone else just stand and watch. But I will say that's part of the the. T- it's going to take time. Okay, you have to have patience with this Lakers team offensively. It's going to take some time for Anthony Davis to find his niche within LeBron, and vice versa. Danny Green. 
had a phenomenal game just based off of catching and shooting because when they double Anthony Davis, kick out three, uh, and the same thing with LeBron, get a double driving kick and most of the time, or an offensive rebound kick out to Danny Green. He had a lot of open looks, and he hit him to his credit. He had a fantastic game. The offense will get better. Okay, it, it, it did not look great on Tuesday night, but again, I will say this, they were missing Kyle Kuzma, and that is going to take time to integrate him into the offensive system as well. And they were playing the Clippers, who have, I mean, the best defensive team in the league. They're going to make a lot of offenses look stagnant. So the offense is not, is not a, a, a code red scenario. It's going to take time to get better. It will get better, and we just have to be patient. Okay, so they didn't play very well offensively. Not a big deal. That will get better. Here is the, here is the, um, the greater issue I, that I saw from the Los Angeles Lakers from Tuesday night. They have an inability to defend guards in the West. And that is a huge problem. Okay, You have Anthony Davis, and he's one of the best rim protectors in the game, if not the best. He's phenomenal uh, around the rim. But in the West, and in, and in today's NBA, you have to be able not only to score from the guard position, but to defend the guard position. Okay, And look at the guards in the West that they're going to have to face. Uh, just this. And the reason I say this, Lou Williams came off the bench and had 21 points. And he does that to a lot of teams. He's a great player. But there looked like, the Lakers looked like they, they just could not guard him. Like, you know when you, when you, know when you see these matchups of, of great players and the player that they're matched up with is just clearly inferior. Like, there's just no hope for them to stop this player. That's what it looked like from Lou Williams. And he is a great scorer, okay? Bonafide bucket getter. He's not even close to the upper echelon of guards in the West. I mean, especially when you look at the guys that I'm going to compare uh, him to. Or not not necessarily compare him to, but other guards that the Lakers are going to face in the West in the future, in the very near future. Damian Lillard, okay? Stephen Curry, Russell Westbrook, Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker. I'm probably forgetting one or two or three, but those are just off the top of my head. Guards in the, in, in the immediate West that they're going to have to face. I don't see how in the world they're going to defend those guys with this team. Currently suited, I don't see how they're going to defend those players. Lou Williams comes off the bench and he looks like he's on guard. Like the Lakers have no answer, no answer for Lou Williams. And Kawhi Leonard went off as well, but I would argue the Lakers have LeBron. Okay, They're going to be able to combat that. If Kawhi goes off for 30, in the, let's say in the playoffs, you know you're going to get at least 30 or 40 from LeBron. Okay, even though Kawhi's gonna, Kawhi is going to be guarding him, LeBron is LeBron. He's going to get his. How are the Lakers going to combat guys like Stephen Curry, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, okay, Luka Doncic? How are they going to combat those players? They cannot defend them, and they don't have an answer offensively for them as well. The Lakers don't have a stud scoring guard. They have LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and Kuzma all forwards, and they're great players. It's not a problem. It's not a problem that, or necessarily that they have bad players. It's just that as far as the matchups, they're going to have to play a different style of basketball. They're going to have to play early 2000s basketball uh, are the Lakers and if they really want to enable Anthony Davis and slow the game down to a snail's pace to really frustrate and throw the tempo off of these Western guards. Because if Lou Williams is coming off the bench and he's just torching your entire unit, God help you when you face Damian Lillard, okay? Because there, there, there's going to be problems. And I will say, while the Lakers might not have anyone to guard 
um, or defend guards in the West, I don't see anyone in the West have, being able to guard Anthony Davis. So there is that, that matchup that they're going to have to play with. And they'll figure that out. You know, basketball is the only sport where you play both ends of the floor. Well, baseball as well. But for the most part, you have, you have a DH in baseball. But the point I'm trying to make is you play constantly. Your offense plays in your defense and vice versa. Okay, In baseball, as well as you hit, that really doesn't affect how well you defend. It, it doesn't. But in basketball, if you defend well, you're going to get good opportunities on offense. If you get steals, you get easy fast break layups. And if you, get, if you have efficient um, sets and possessions in offense, you get to set your defense. And if you have turnovers on offense, you're going to be playing uh, on, on backpedaling. And you're, you're going to be getting uh, you know, three-on-twos, two-on-ones. You're going to be at a disadvantage. So the offense will have its hand in the defense and vice versa. So that will improve. Their defense will improve slightly, I, slightly, I feel, because their offense is going to get better. And I think they're going to start to slow down the pace. But they will need to figure something out. Rajon Rondo was hurt, yes. But will he have the ability to shut down guards in the West? That remains to be seen. And it is a, I think that was the bigger issue for the Lakers, for the Lakers on Tuesday, was their defense. I think that was the bigger problem. Not so much their offense, because again, I have no, I have no problem that um, that that's not going to get fixed. That's that's it's only going to take some time, and they will get better. I have no issues with that. The bigger problem is their defense, and specifically defending guards. That is going to be what makes or breaks this Lakers season: their ability to defend the guards in the West. And now on to the quote of the week. Let's close it out real strong. We didn't have one last week, but we do get one. This week, and it's a pretty good one. And speaking of those guards in the West, quote, if you ask him that question now straight up, he would probably have a different answer. Stephen Curry responding to Michael Jordan saying he's not a Hall of Famer. So earlier in the week, Michael Jordan said he had an interview, I believe it was with Good Morning America. I didn't watch it. I was not because I don't watch, I don't like Michael Jordan, but because I don't like waking up. I don't, I don't need to wake up at 7 in the morning to see Michael Jordan, okay? I, w- I was not getting up for Good Morning America. I, I, I tend to sleep in. So I, d- I did not see it, or the entire interview, but I did see that quote. He says, Stephen Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet. He's just not. And so this kind of put NBA Twitter ablaze. Michael Jordan says Stephen Curry is not a Hall of Famer. Some people who, I mean, just are imbeciles are saying, you know, agree with him. It was, it was a dumb quote to make. As much as I like Michael Jordan, that was a dumb thing to say. Um, and then some people are laughing at Michael Jordan because it was a dumb thing to say. And so, they had, of course, everything is, you know, the NBA is built on this drama. You know, he said this, what's your response? Uh, you know, again, going back to player movement. If a player says anything about another team or city, people start the rumors about free agency. Um, so they asked him, what do you think about this? And he said, well, just that. It was a quote of the week. If you ask him again, he'd probably have a different answer. And I disagree with Stephen Curry. I don't think Michael Jordan would have a different answer. I think he said what he meant. I think he meant what he said. He's wrong, but still, I think he believes in what he said. And the reason why I, I, there's, there, there's uh, two sides to this coin, and you have to kind of break it down from both parties. Stephen Curry feels, I mean, Stephen Curry is not only a Hall of Famer, he is a first ballot unanimous Hall. I mean, come on. Come on. I, to say Stephen Curry is not a Hall of Famer is just idiocy. Now, I don't want to call Michael Jordan an idiot because he's not. He's a billionaire. But this was a dumb... This one comment was dumb. Michael Jordan is not a dumb person, but this one comment was dumb. He should not have said it. Or if he did say it and he believed it and he believes in what he says, he, he's wrong. 
Now, I will also say this in Michael Jordan's case. Michael Jordan is not a clickbaiter. He does not need your attention. Again, he is a billionaire. He has Michael Jordan shoes, the Jumpman company. He owns the Hornets, which actually may be a negative for him, but he does own the Hornets. He doesn't need your attention. He believes in what he says. So at this point, Michael Jordan does not believe Stephen Curry is a Hall of Famer, and he's wrong because he is. But he does not need your attention. Okay, Michael Jordan does. He, doesn't, he didn't do this to stir up a crowd or stir up a frenzy. He said this because this is what he believes, but he's wrong. Stephen Curry is absolutely 110% a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I can tell you why he did believe this. I, I can tell you how I know Michael Jordan believed in what he said. Because again, he is the aforementioned owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Now I will ask you, what is the current state of the Charlotte Hornets? Michael Jordan does not have a handle on the current NBA landscape, okay? And you can see it over the course of his ownership of the Charlotte Hornets, previously the Charlotte Bobcats, who are statistically the worst team in NBA history. Michael Jordan owned that team, okay? And he orchestrated that roster for the most part. He does not have a feel for the current NBA landscape. While he is probably the greatest player of all time, and he is the greatest player of all time, he does, and it's, we've seen this before. In the, uh, Magic Johnson tried to be a head coach for the Lakers. It lasted for an hour because it, it, it wasn't happening. You can be a great player and not be able to translate that into, you can't translate that into every, every job in the NBA. And that's okay. That is okay. We're not taking anything away from Michael Jordan. But for the most part, as an owner, he has failed. As far as winning, as a bit, from the business aspect of it, I mean, yeah, his pockets are lined. Again, he's a billionaire, is Air Jordan. But what have the Hornets slash Bobcats done under his tenure? A whole lot of nothing. And they've seen now Kimba Walker walk out of the building. So as an owner, you can see he has really no feel for the current NBA landscape and does not maybe, I would say, have a, um, I, I'm not going to say understanding, but he just doesn't relate or translate his skill into today's NBA as an, ex- as an executive. He just doesn't, okay? And he's still a fantastic. I mean, he's Michael Jordan, okay? I don't need, I don't need to qualify his, his NBA career. But when you look at his career as an owner and then you look at this, this, um, this comment that he made, there's at least a level of consistency because it shows Michael Jordan may not be the best one evaluating talent in the NBA currently, okay? Or the NBA in its current state. So he's wrong. He believed in what he said, but he's wrong. And Stephen Curry is also wrong because Michael Jordan would not change his statement, but he is a Hall of Famer. So both parties are both right and wrong. There is no one that's really at fault or is guilty. There is just a level of miscommunication and maybe uh, maybe misunderstanding one another, possibly. Um, and so I don't think this is a huge deal, but I just wanted to give my spin on this because Stephen Curry is a Hall of Famer. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time though their pads have not crossed, um, I guess you could say, in understanding one another because obviously Michael Jordan is, is not the greatest owner in the NBA. He's not James Dolan. He's not the worst. So you got to give him credit. Michael Jordan is not the worst executive or owner in the NBA, but he's also probably not amongst the best. That is going to take us to the end of this week's episode. I appreciate you guys tuning in and sticking around. Enjoy the games this week. The World Series. We didn't even get to the World Series uh, uh, this week. Probably going to be over by the next time we have another podcast. Um, Nats are up 2-0. I mean, what a shocker. 
I mean, that is, that's, I'm stunned. I'm st- and not that I don't, I don't like the Nationals or I think they're terrible. It's just so much that the Astros are this juggernaut. And you, go, you beat them twice and they're a home park. It, it, it's a pretty big shocker. Though I think the Astros are probably going to have something to say about that these next three games in Washington. Uh, if you guys can download the podcast on iTunes, I would super appreciate that. If you guys could share with your friends, I would double super appreciate that. It means a lot to me. It helps grow the show, and it lets me know that you guys are appreciating uh, all the hard work that I put in for you guys. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for stopping by. I will talk to you next week.